It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. All righty, what is going on? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thanks so much for uh, listening. I appreciate it. And thank you for subscribing to the podcast. I appreciate that. And uh, also, if you want to become a patron of the program, just go to thepetecalendarshow.com. And uh, there's a link at the top. You click on that and then you can uh, become a patron. You get exclusive content. Patrons get these things like bumper stickers and the live streams and the satisfaction of knowing that they helped me pay my electricity bill. Uh, patrons like Marlene and Jenny and Sean and Rhonda and Susan, Mike, Linda Grace, Lisbeth, JF, Leslie, Jim, Lisa, and WC. I appreciate all of the support. They became patrons. You can as well. ThePeteCallenderShow.com. And uh, that is also where you can go to subscribe to the podcast. Um, all right. So two different stories, but related uh, under sort of a, uh, a media heading of now we can cover it. <laughs> this is the um, this is the first story. It is from the Daily Mail, although uh, the New York Post covered it as well. And it was interesting when I went looking for this story, um, did a, a search, a DuckDuckGo search and um, didn't really find didn't find actually any quote unquote mainstream media coverage of this explosive bombshell of a new study that claims to prove Chinese scientists created COVID, that this was in fact man-made. A bombshell new study claims to have proof that Chinese scientists created COVID-19 in a lab and then tried to reverse engineer versions of the virus to make it look like it evolved naturally from bats. This is research that was conducted by uh, British professor Angus Danglish and Norwegian scientist Dr. Berger Sorensen. They wrote uh, that they've had primary evidence of retroengineering in China since last year, but were ignored by academics and major medical journals. Um, I wonder why. <laughs> why would they have ignored the the potential evidence that this was man-made and then reverse engineered versions were put into genetic databases in order to make it look like it evolved naturally from bats? Uh, by way of credentials, <clears throat> the uh, British professor, Angus Daglish, uh, he's a uh, London oncology professor known for breakthrough work on a vaccine for HIV. Sorensen is a virologist and chair of the pharmaceutical company Immunor, which developed a coronavirus vaccine candidate called BioVac-19. And um, it was during that research, according to the New York Post, that the pair came across unique fingerprints indicating that the virus did not come from nature. So, what were the unique fingerprints? Glad you asked. <clears throat> this is from the Daily Mail. Um, the shocking allegations include uh, accusations, which is weird because allegations 
usually include accusations. But anyway, the Daily Mail says the accusations include deliberate destruction, concealment or contamination of data at Chinese labs. It notes the silencing and disappearance of scientists in the uh, the communist country who spoke out. The paper is slated for publication within days. Um, so over a year later, leading academics, politicians and the media finally have flipped and have begun to contemplate the possibility that COVID-19 may have escaped from the Wuhan Institute of Virology in China. This week, President Joe Biden ordered the intelligence community to reexamine how the virus originated, including the lab accident theory. The announcement followed the revelation that a previously undisclosed intel report had been made to the White House, claiming that several researchers at the Wuhan Institute were hospitalized with illness in November 2019. And that document was uncovered this week by The Wall Street Journal. Now, The Wall Street Journal simply reported on the existence of this information. This information was known to our intelligence community. Right. This was information known for a while The Wall Street Journal just finally got a hold of it, printed it, and now all of a sudden we can talk about it. Does that sound pretty convenient? I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I always have to explain this, right? I'm not, I don't sign up to virtually any conspiracy theories. However, um, it seems like there were a lot of people with vested interests in ignoring the lab leak theory let alone the man-made and then, you know, purposefully released theory uh, that is also unconfirmed, but is but exists. That could very well be a possibility as well. Like there were three sort of main uh, headings under which all of these different theories can fall. Like number one is that it was, you know, completely, uh, what do they call it, uh, zoonotic, right? It just, it was from the animal kingdom and it just got spread to humans accidentally, whether in a wet market or in the frozen meat section of some market someplace, which is what the Chinese say occurred. And that's just, it's not believable to me. Um, So that's the first kind of theories that, you know, natural occurring animal gave it to man. The other is that uh, man was messing around with some of the virus and it got out accidentally. And then there's the other theory that man created it and Uh, It got out accidentally or man created it and released it purposefully. So you get like these are the different ideas that are out there. And I'm open to all of them, except not so much anymore. The first one about the animals. I'm yeah. the more evidence or I should say lack thereof uh, that we see surrounding that theory. It's it's less and less believable, at least to me. So, um, and by the way, I originally believed the experts and the scientists when they said, no, no, we looked at this, it's not man-made. And so I believed them because I relied on their expertise and, uh, you know, trust me once or, well, fool me once, (laughs) shame on uh, you, fool me twice, shame on me. And so now I don't trust you anymore. So now it's very difficult for me to, you know, cover these stories, read these stories, interpret the stories and have some level of confidence that they're not lying to me and that I'm not passing along misinformation to you. It's more and more difficult to do that in our society now. So these two researchers, they have concluded that uh, the SARS 
CoVID2 has no credible natural ancestor and that it is, quote, beyond reasonable doubt that the virus was created through laboratory manipulation. In the 22-page paper, which is set to be published in the scientific journal Quarterly Review of Biophysics Discovery, the scientists described their months-long forensic analysis looking back at experiments done at the Wuhan lab between 2002 and 2019. So there were sort of two tracks here. Number one is, you know, looking at the genetics of the uh, of the virus and uh, how it is made up. And then the uh, the other track is, hey, let's look at all of the research that was going on at this lab and what were they finding and what were they messing around with. And when they dig through the archives of journals and databases, they piece together how Chinese scientists, some working with American universities, I would suspect UNC would be one of them, allegedly built the tools to create the coronavirus. Much of the work was Senator Centered around controversial gain-of-function research that has uh, been temporarily, at least, outlawed in the United States that occurred under the Obama administration. Gain-of-function involves tweaking naturally occurring viruses to make them more infectious, so then they can replicate in human cells in a lab. That allows the virus's potential effects on humans to be studied and better understood, but never used for evil intents. Ever, even if they are communists. Daglish and Sorensen claim that scientists working on gain-of-function projects took a natural coronavirus backbone, as they call it, that's found in Chinese cave bats and spliced it uh, on, spliced onto it a new spike, turning it into a deadly and highly transmissible SARS-CoV-2. And the telltale sign of alleged manipulation... I'll tell you in a second. First, you need to get over to General Equipment Rental if you are trying to manipulate like large patches of earth. Maybe you're trying to manipulate where uh, shrubbery is growing and the like. Uh, you can do you, you can tame all of this stuff and uh, you can manipulate all this stuff with the right tools. And those tools are at General Equipment Rental. Okay, and you can get ten percent off. By the way, your first rental at General Equipment Rental. Go to GeneralRents.com. They are conveniently located in Weaverville. They're at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road. They're family-owned and operated. Have been for uh, three generations now, and uh, they have got everything. Okay, so like construction um, equipment, like air tools, compressors scaffolding uh like big power tools they've got earth moving equipment obviously they've got lawn and garden equipment if you're looking to purchase they've got tons of stuff for sale like uh trimmers and hedge clippers they've got the auto mower that just rolls around your yard cuts the grass all the time so it's always perfectly even and cut and you don't have to mow anymore um just go to their website generalrents.com check out all the inventory and when you go in tell them that you heard it on the podcast i appreciate that general equipment rental generalrents.com and think outside your toolbox so the daily mail with the exclusive story here that uh two researchers say that they have found unique fingerprints in covid19 samples that they say could only have arisen from manipulation in a lab all right they say that the these are the telltale signs of manipulation and it is four amino acids in a row okay i I don't know the science. I am ignorant on all of this. I'm just reading what the scientists told the Daily Mail, which is that the telltale sign 
of human manipulation is that you cannot have four positively charged amino acids in a row unless humans did it. Sort of like the turtle on a fence post, right? You know it didn't get there on its own. And so, like they say, in nature, occurring naturally, it's really, really, really rare to find three amino acids in a row that are positively charged. And to find four, they say the only way you get that is artificial manipulation. Um, They say that all of these have the positive charge which cause the virus to tightly cling to the negatively charged parts of human cells, like a magnet. And so that's what makes it way more infectious. So this is, and I would love to hear, you know, the scientists get this uh, peer-reviewed and the re, uh, the rebuttal from people who say that this could not be the case. And there are scientists, by the way, who made this very point, right? At the beginning of the pandemic, um, scientists published a statement and they were like, no, we strongly condemn conspiracy theories suggesting COVID-19 does not have a natural origin, Um And they asserted that experts overwhelmingly conclude that the coronavirus originated in wildlife. This was the the this was the the science, right? The research and the statements that these scientists were putting out at the beginning of the pandemic a year ago that I relied on. And then I passed on to you. And so when people would say, oh, they made it in a lab. And I was like, well, the scientists say that, no, it, it, it wasn't. But now you've got other scientists saying, yeah, it actually was. And so I am now open to this idea, like, and I don't trust the scientists anymore that published their statement in The Lancet, like, and if you can't trust that anymore, (laughs) what can you trust? A group of prominent scientists wrote in uh, the journal Nature back in March of 2020 that, quote, the evidence shows that SARS-CoV-2 is not a purposefully manipulated virus, and we do not believe that any type of laboratory-based scenario is plausible. You also had, uh, this was under Trump, the director of national intelligence, the office put out a statement saying that the intelligence community concurs with the wide scientific consensus that the COVID-19 virus was not man-made or genetically modified. So this was what everybody was saying. This was naturally occurring. And I accepted that. I accepted that because I'm not an expert. I'm not a scientist. I, I'm, I don't know the science behind this stuff. I'm not an expert in molecular biology, I'm not a virologist. But I was always suspicious of the lab leak theory. Well, I was always suspicious. And that's why I, I always lean towards the lab leak theory. The original assertion that came out, remember, was that it was from the wet market. And then within like a week, I think, I found out, oh, you got this research lab like right there too. Oh, and then there's like another one three miles away. And they happen to be working on all the bat viruses and the coronaviruses. Oh, and they also have a shoddy safety record where uh, other viruses have gotten out of the lab before. Interesting. And so... Very early on, I always leaned more towards the lab leak theory, but I assumed that it was a naturally occurring virus that they just brought to the lab from the from the bats. Apparently, according to these researchers, not the case, not the case. In another claim contained in this paper, they say they have evidence that after the pandemic began, Chinese scientists took samples of the COVID-19 virus and they retro-engineered it, making it appear as if it had evolved 
naturally. They said they were suspicious of a whole bunch of new strains suddenly entered into genetic databases. And these were all entered into the databases mainly by Chinese scientists. And they all came in right at the beginning of the pandemic, early 2020. What's weird is that these were entered into the database years after they were recorded as being collected. So why all of a sudden are you entering this stuff into databases when you've had the samples for years, theoretically, right? That's the assertion is that you found these samples years ago and you've just been sitting on them for all these years. And then now, just coincidentally, we're going to upload them all into the database. And what these researchers say is, quote, we think that there have been retro-engineered viruses created. They've changed the virus. Then they tried to make out, uh, make it out that it was in a sequence years ago. So in other words, they're backfilling. They're trying to, they're trying to get ahead because there was always this gap. And we had assumed, I had assumed that the uh, Chinese had just destroyed a lot of their samples and they very well might have, but if they were doing gain of function stuff, they could have jumped ahead and that's why there's this gap. And now they're backfilling or last year, they started backfilling to try to make this case uh, to lie because they're communists and communists lie, but to, to make this case that, oh, no, this is how it mutated. These were the samples. See, there's obviously now a, uh, a historical line that you can trace from COVID-19 all the way back to some earlier sample. The two researchers here, they also point to deliberate destruction, concealment or contamination of data in the Chinese labs. And they noted that Chinese scientists who wanted to share their knowledge have not been able to do so or have disappeared. In February 2020, a molecular biomechanics researcher at South China University of Technology, a fellow by the name of Botao Chao, he published a paper claiming that the killer coronavirus probably originated from a lab in Wuhan, and he highlighted safety issues that were at the institute. A couple weeks later, he withdrew the paper. Coincidentally, he withdrew it right after Chinese authorities denied any accidents had ever happened at the lab, because <laughs> that's that's how they roll in the communist nations. Uh, Daglish, one of the researchers, told the Daily Mail that he believed resistance to the theory that COVID-19 is man-made um, comes from scientists who are fearful that the revelation would shut down their field. Self-interest, right? So even if it's not a nefarious... Uh, plot to, you know, enslave the world and all this other stuff. You have scientists who were like, oh, no, no, it's natural. It's totally natural. No, they wouldn't have done it because they recognized the ramifications if people were to come to know that, oh, my gosh, you guys are messing around with this stuff and it breaks containment. And now you've created a pandemic throughout the world. Like that's that's the kind of stuff that gets entire programs and lines of research shut down, right? Um, then there was this uh, interview that Dr. Scott Gottlieb did over the weekend. He's a physician, former commissioner of the FDA under Trump. He's now a resident fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. He was on Face the Nation over the weekend, and he was talking about the possibility that COVID came out of a lab. These kinds of lab leaks happen all the time, uh, actually. Even here in the United States, we've had mishaps. And in China, the last six known outbreaks of SARS-1 have been out of labs, including the last known outbreak, which was a pretty um, extensive outbreak that China initially 
wouldn't disclose that it came out of a lab. It was only for the, it was only disclosed finally by some journalists that were able to trace that outbreak back to a laboratory. So it's important to understand what the possibility is that this came out of a lab, so we could focus more international attention on trying to get better uh, inventories around these labs, what they're doing, better security, make sure they're properly built. We need to also look at public health through the lens of national security. This was an asymmetric harm to the United States. COVID hurt the U.S. a lot more than it hurt many other countries. And that's another thing I talk about in the book, looking at these kinds of risks through the lens of national security, including getting our intelligence services more engaged in this mission. Traditionally, we've, in, we've relied on international conventions and scientists working together, multilateral agreements, to try to assess the risks and try to um, uncover these kinds of outbreaks. I think we also need to get better surveillance in place and use our tools of national security to help engage in that mission as well. All right, so that was Scott Gottlieb, and I've got some more highlights uh, from this interview that uh, he's also, he, le- it's, he is leaning towards the lab leak theory as well, it sounds like, and that's based on the evidence. Um, more on that in a minute. First, I will tell you about Rowena Patton. She's our real estate agent. Uh, in case you may have detected, actually, the audio quality on the podcast today may sound a little echoey. It's because uh, everything is off the walls now in the studio, and so the, the acoustics sound different today because we're moving we're getting ready to move into our new home that uh, Rowena helped us purchase Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team put them to work for you buying or selling the only real estate agent that we called you should as well her phone number is 828-333-4483 that's 828-333-4483 her website is mountainhomehunt.com and she's the official and only homes for heroes real estate agent in Asheville And this is a national program that gives buyers and sellers 25% back from the Realtor Commissions. It goes to police officers, firefighters, healthcare professionals, educators, and members of the military, so veterans, active duty, and retirees. And she's given back about $800,000 so far to local folks. So give her a call, buying or selling, tell her I sent you, 828-333-4483, mountainhomehunt.com, and start packing. Uh, All right, so Dr. Scott Gottlieb, appears on Face the Nation over the weekend, and he says, if you think in terms of like these competing theories of where COVID-19 came from, and by the way, this is important because if you're trying to prevent the next pandemic, you damn sure better find out how this one started, right? So we don't do that again. And uh, there are two different competing theories. One is natural and one is uh, sort of man-made, right? And then how it got out is a different set of theories, as I went over earlier. So the zoonotic source, the natural, came from animals source, and then the, you know, made in a lab source. So he says that if you look at the, the, the like a ledger, that the zoonotic source, that side of the ledger is actually shrunk. He says um, that they have uh, done an exhaustive search for the so-called intermediate host, which would have been the animal that could have been exposed to the virus, before it got spread to humans. Okay, so there there has to be, how did it get from the bats to Wuhan people? How did that happen? What animal, like was this the, the cats or the pangolins or whatever those things are called? Like what animal facilitated that jump? They have not found that animal. Uh, he says, we've also fully disproven the market, the food market that was initially implicated in the original outbreak. That was not the source of the outbreak. And so that side of the ledger, he says, has shrunken. And China could provide evidence that would be exculpatory here. 
they could provide the blood samples from people who worked in the lab in Wuhan, but they have refused to do that. They could provide the source strain, some of the original uh, strains, but they've refused to do that. They can provide access to uh, some of the early samples so that uh, they could sequence them. Uh, they could provide an inventory of what was in the lab, in the Institute of Virology, uh, the lab uh, that has been implicated uh, in a potential lab leak. But China has refused to do any of those things. And he says, we know that the lab was poorly constructed. It had poor controls. That was reported at the time that it was first opened. We know the lab was engaging in very high-risk research, including infecting transgenic animals, these animals with quote, fully human immune systems. We know they were working with SARS-like viruses that have never been disclosed before. And now we have new evidence that some lab workers became infected right at the time that the virus was believed to have been first introduced. So that side of the ledger has grown. (laughs) If you're making the case, that side of the lab leak, you know, manufactured or somehow manipulated, that side of the ledger has gotten bigger and the zoonotic side has shrunk so um again i like this is all circumstantial evidence but as an occam's razor kind of a guy i look at this and i say more evidence leads me to believe it came out of the lab and again china if it was trying to uh defend itself if it was trying to allay these concerns all they have to do is produced all of the blood samples that were taken at the time of their employees at the labs uh, because whenever there's some sort of an outbreak you test all of the uh, all of the blood of the employees to find out if they're all infected and you would have all of those samples unless of course you destroyed them but uh, they have not made those public he says uh they would know the answer to the question because they would have the blood samples from the workers in that lab. And that's the evidence that they have not made public. If, in fact, the blood samples show that a high prevalence of people in that lab have been exposed to the virus, that's pretty definitive proof that this coursed through that lab. So now, all of a sudden, we can talk about this story. Now, all of a sudden, Facebook won't block us, Facebook won't ban us, Twitter won't shut down our account. Now, all of a sudden, this story is permitted to be discussed. Facebook no longer is treating man-made COVID as a crackpot idea. That's the headline at Politico. Yeah, Facebook is no longer going to take down posts that claim that COVID-19 was man-made or manufactured. A company spokesperson confirmed this to Politico, and uh, they call it a move that acknowledges the renewed debate about the virus's origins. I love how this is like this. Oh, there's renewed debate. Well, why is there renewed debate? Because there were a lot of people in our society that seemed pretty interested in shutting down that debate. But now all of a sudden it breaks through after a year. And, and, And why after a year, by the way? What happened what is like what all of us are we to believe it's the Wall Street Journal report and that's why everybody can talk about it now because the Wall Street Journal got some intel report that again existed before the Wall Street Journal published it right this information was in fact known uh, to the intelligence community that these three employees went to the hospital with covid like symptoms and illnesses before the pandemic ever started which would end I mean and that's not look that's That's not coincidental. Three people from the lab all have the same symptoms and all check into the hospital 
And then within a week, you've got the pandemic unleashed on the planet. There were people that knew this and sat on this information for a very long time and then shut down any debate about it for a year. Why? I'd like to know why. I'd like to know, like, I understand, like, some of these scientists, may, maybe they were, you know, acting in, in self-interest. They didn't want their programs defunded and dismantled. Okay, like, I, I can understand that. But, like, the media, you guys are supposed to be in the business of finding the truth, right? Democracy dies in darkness, after all. You're supposed to be shedding light on these things. So where have you been? And this is where the politics of the thing, and we went over this last week, the politics of the thing clouded all of their judgment about what is and is not newsworthy because the primary goal was to hang all of this stuff on Trump. And even now when they're like, okay, uh, our bad, we uh, ignored this story for a year and we, okay, we may have, you know, mocked and ridiculed anybody who suggested that it wasn't from the bat soup. Um, Okay. Yeah, fine. But uh, look, I mean, Donald Trump was trying to use, you know, China as a scapegoat here. And so can you really blame us? Like this, this is literally their argument. They're saying that Donald Trump was trying to scapegoat China because he's a racist and he hates China and his handling of the pandemic was terrible and everybody hates him. He had all these scandals and nobody likes him and everybody hates him and we hate him even more than everybody else does. And so we had to, you know, make this about Trump's response. And it was just a natural virus. China didn't do anything here. He's just a racist, you see. And now you go back and look at look at the coverage. And we went again, went over this a couple of uh, days ago. You know, now you read this stuff and it's like, wow, you guys really were blinded by your Trump derangement syndrome. Like that's like that's a really good example of TDS, Trump derangement syndrome, where you become so deranged, you're so uh, your your mental uh, capacities are limited by the anger and hatred you have for this person that you can't even entertain an idea that isn't related to him somehow. Like, you can believe that he didn't do a good job in the pandemic response. You can believe that, but also believe that the Chinese are to blame for it. I don't have to pick one or the other of those scenarios. I can say both. But a lot of people in the media couldn't because they saw the primary goal as getting rid of Trump. And so when the scientists came out and said, oh, no, no, this is totally fine. It's totally natural. Uh, nobody made this in a lab. Come on. Those people are crazy. You know who says that? Donald Trump says that. You know what they say about Donald Trump. He's crazy. He's a racist. He's anti-China. And all of his followers are, too. Right. So this becomes the big blind spot. And now you've got Facebook that is is that shuts down uh, the sharing of information, articles, you know, journalism, when people are actually trying to have the debate, Facebook and Twitter and these social media companies and news organizations, they shut down these debates. And then a year goes by, Trump loses the election, right? He's now out of office. And now, oh, all of a sudden, we can talk about this stuff. Similar dynamic is now playing out in Portland, with Antifa. Yeah, this happened over the weekend, too. I'm going to get to that as well. First, you need to get over to uh, Mattress Man. You really do. Mattress Man, they've got great deals going on, like a King adjustable base set. You can finance this for $27 a month and no interest for 72 months. That's, that's, that's like, what, six years? That's a long time. So no interest? 
for 72 months. And you can pick up a free box spring with the purchase of a Biltmore Collection mattress made by Restonic. These are inspired by our very own local landmark. Mattress Man is an exclusive retailer of the Biltmore Collection with its luxurious design and blend of old world craftsmanship and new world exclusive technology. And it's got edge to edge sleep surfaces. Uh, It's got uh, five support zones for proper spinal alignment. So you get a restorative, healthier sleep. And uh, they have, you know, five-star local delivery service. They do ship nationwide. They have a 120-day comfort guarantee. Just go on into any of their four stores or go to the website, mattressmanstores.com. But if you go into the stores, you'll talk with one of the sleep consultants. They know so much about uh, like sleep positions and what mattresses are best suited for different types of sleep positions, whether you sleep on your side or your back or your stomach, different mattresses provide different benefits and they can help you with all of that. Go to Mattress Man four stores in Asheville, Hendersonville and Arden, mattressmanstores.com, buy local and sleep better. So Politico reporting that Facebook is now not going to take down any of your posts that claim COVID-19 was man-made or manufactured, okay? The policy tweak arrives as support surges in Washington for a fuller investigation into the origins of COVID-19 after the Wall Street Journal reported that three scientists at the Wuhan Institute of Virology were hospitalized right before the uh, the pandemic uh, was unleashed on the planet. The findings have reinvigorated the debate about the so-called Wuhan lab leak theory once dismissed as a fringe conspiracy theory. By whom? They don't say. Who? By whom? Who dismissed it as a, uh, as a fringe conspiracy theory? The lab leak theory was never a fringe theory. There was more evidence in support of a lab leak. Again, not getting into the uh, the the research now that I was just co- uh, covering about, you know, whether this was man-made, it was manufactured, even if it was a natural zoonotic virus that just accidentally got out of the lab because the lab has a history of safety failures. Like, that's, that's a completely legitimate uh, theory. That was never a fringe conspiracy theory, Politico. And if it was, who designated it as such? Facebook announced in February that it had expanded the list of misleading health claims that it would remove from its platforms to include those asserting that COVID-19 is man-made or manufactured. The tech giant has updated its policies against false and misleading coronavirus information, including its running list of debunked claims over the course of the pandemic in consultation with, ah, global health officials. That's who Facebook is working with. That's very comforting, don't you think? (laughs) Because they haven't been wrong about anything so far. We can totally trust all of the pronouncements from the global health officials <laughs> in this. The ones who said, we don't need to look at the lab leak thing over there. Oh, no, China's totally fine. It came in frozen meat. That's how it made its way to Wuhan. We know, see, we know that this, this virus, it was in the bats, but the bats are really far away from Wuhan. And I know that the labs may have, or they did actually, you know, they transported the bats to their facilities to do the research, but that's not where it came from, you see. There was some other, like, frozen meat products, and that's how it got shipped around. That's where it came from. 
We should look into we should look into that theory. <laughs> this is what the World Health Organization uh, investigation found, right? This is what their report said we should focus on. We covered this a couple of weeks ago when they came out with this ridiculous report. Uh, Facebook spokesperson said that the origin language has now been stricken from the list due to the renewed debate about the virus's roots. It's interesting that we are even able to have a renewed debate. Think about what, like, what if the Wall Street Journal hadn't gotten that information? What if they hadn't gotten their hands on that intelligence report and then published it? What if they got shut down? What if nobody uh, leaked it to them? Then we would still be in this, you know, mode of denial and Facebook and Twitter and uh, other platforms would still be censoring this information, these theories, these ideas, this evidence, because it's not simply just a theory. There's evidence that supports this, as I went over earlier. Social media companies have faced intense pressure from congressional Democrats to crack down more forcefully on misinformation about the virus throughout the pandemic. Who defines what is and is not misinformation? In today's day and age, who defines that? Is it the Democrats? Because that's what it kind of seems like when the Democrats tell Facebook, hey, you guys need to start censoring some of these uh, theories, some of this evidence. You guys need to crack down on this stuff. Is that who's calling the tune? Or is it the social media people, uh, these tech giants, and they're working with global health officials? Is that who gives the orders? Seriously, like, I don't know. Because what you thought was misinformation for a year turns out not to be misinformation. Oops. Yeah, I screwed up on that one. Meanwhile, China's gotten a free pass for a year and was able to successfully, I think, mount a PR effort through their, you know, their allies and also, you know, useful idiots in media that just believe anything that the communist propaganda uh, outlets churn out. Asked whether Twitter plans to revisit its own rules on COVID-19 origin claims, a company spokesperson said that they had uh, no updates to share at this time, and Twitter is continuing to, quote, work in close consultation with global public health authorities. So again, really comforting there. Uh, YouTube, I will give them credit. They handled uh, they handled it correctly. A YouTube spokesperson confirmed that claims that the virus was man-made or originated in a lab accident do not violate the platform's policies because, quote, there has not been consensus on its origins. So the company's policy remains unchanged. So kudos to YouTube for that. Um so then there was this <laughs> from the CDC. Uh, a lot of people complaining about the masks on the kids. And apparently all it takes is a column from David Leonhard at the uh, New York Times to uh, to swing CDC policy. And it was actually predicted by Allah Pundit at HotAir.com. So obvious is this pattern that Allah Pundit predicted it would occur, and within 48 hours, it did. What? So what's going on? All right, first off, 
there's this ridiculous policy about little kids having to wear masks. And when you got, you know, summer camps starting up all over the country, parents are like, wait a minute, I got to send my kid to an outdoor camp and they got to wear masks when they're outside. They're kids. You got to have them all masked up. This is ridiculous. So last week, the New York Times columnist David Leonhard published a piece that challenged the CDC's guesstimate. And that's what it was. It was a guess that up to 10% of all COVID transmissions happen outside. Okay, so this was sort of the first domino to fall. Do you remember this? It was a week ago. Um, And the CDC was like, well, we expect there's like up to 10% of all the transmissions are happening outside. So Leonhard goes and interviews one of the authors of the analysis upon which that guess by the CDC was based. And he asked her, hey, is this accurate, what the CDC is saying about your work? And she says, "Uh, not really. (laughs) So uh, one, she says the study that uh, she looked at suggested that as many as 10% of transmissions could be occurring outside, but the great mass of evidence points to a rate far, far, far lower, probably no more than 1%, maybe even way less than that. So very, very small likelihood of transmission outdoors. So Leonhard writes this piece, this column, and he shames the CDC, and not for the first time. Um, a la Pundit noticed this strange tendency over the past few months uh, for uh, bad CDC guidance to be changed within a few days after Leonhard called them out on it. And if it comes from the New York Times, apparently that's who's setting some of this policy. The pattern was so unmistakable. Ala Pundit says, I made a prediction. I said, and he's got the tweet here. He says, quote, now that Leonhard has sent up the bat signal that the science doesn't support masking kids or anybody else outdoors, expect the CDC and the White House to fall in line soon. And 48 hours later, the CDC announces it is easing summer camp guidance that kids do not need to always wear their masks, especially, obviously, when they're outside. He says it'd be funny if it weren't so sad. Evidently, America's foremost scientific agency needs Leonhard to prepare the political ground for them before announcing new guidance by nudging liberals to relax their hypercautious expectations a bit. I'm going to get to that. I'm going to circle back to that in Jen Psaki style in a minute. First, uh, you need to get on over to Old Grouch's military surplus in downtown Clyde. For more than three decades, he's been located there. Tim and his, his dad, who started Old Grouch's, um, they've been there 30 plus years now. And all they do is uh, sell real U.S. military surplus. High quality, durable stuff made in America from camp stoves to backpacks to ammo cans, first aid kits. And he gets tons of stuff all the time. Uh, Really unique items. I mean, he gets pretty regular shipments of body armor as well. But he also gets, you know, like he got concertina wire a couple of months ago. (laughs) So if you're looking to uh, to fortify the compound, like that's where you go. So and by the way, if you have items that you're interested in selling, Go and bring them to Tim at Old Grouch's Military Surplus and uh, yeah, I mean, make you an offer on some of the stuff. Your source for top quality American-made items, Old Grouch's Military Surplus uh, on Main Street, downtown Clyde. Shop is open Monday through Saturday. It's across the street from the anti-aircraft gun and at oldgrouch.com. Now, what I found interesting about this piece by Ala Pundit at hotair.com is that he attributes this shift 
uh, and this pattern where the New York Times questions some of the guidance from the CDC and then the CDC backtracks on the guidance. And uh, he attributes this to um, was he preparing the political ground by announcing uh, before announcing new guidance by nudging liberals to relax their hyper cautious expectations a bit. So it seems like like they're trying to convince their base, the left, right? The progressives, they're trying to convince progressives that, you know, you can send your kids to camp and they can be outside. They're not going to die. Like the risk assessment is so out of whack here on the left. And and by the way, there, there, I think there's, um, there's a minimization of risk that is occurring on the right, but on the left, it's like full blown panic. People are terrified. And I've I've talked about this now for the last year, ever since I saw the very first uh, survey that was done by Gallup. It was done for Franklin Templeton Financial Advisors. And they asked people, like, how likely do you think it is that you would catch COVID? And what are the chances of you catching it and dying from it? And the political left has had a wildly um, misinformed misperception of the risk. Like to the point where they thought like one out of two Americans, all Americans, one out of two would catch it and die from it. I mean, think about how insane that's like that's 175 million deaths from COVID. That's that's what they thought was coming. That's the level of risk. Now, think about the fear that you must have if that's what you think is coming. So now you've got the CDC that and the media that's trying to, you know, bring people back off the ledge, right? Their progressive audience, because I've seen it whenever the CDC issues a relaxation, it happened with Cooper too. He was being assailed from the left. People on the left were like, I can't believe that, you know, Governor Cooper is relaxing these restrictions because the CDC, oh my gosh, all these people are going to die. The CDC, what are they doing? Right. And so what the New York Times comes out and says, oh, CDC, your guidance is kind of out of whack here. And so Allah Pundit sees this as uh, 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 preparing the political ground. So does that mean then that the CDC is coordinating with the New York Times? I don't know. Or is it just that they get shamed by the New York Times? I don't know. Like who's actually dictating the guidance and the policy here? I don't know. <laughs> these are all good. These are all good questions. I cannot answer. Um, he says that, uh, in other words, vaccinated teens now. So this is the new guidance can uh, can go nuts. OK, because a lot of camps. All right, so first off, you got the 12 to 15 year olds that now they're allowed to get vaccinated. And so you got all the parents rushing out to get their kids vaccinated, just like with the adults over the age of uh, 15 then and 16. Like They've been getting the vaccinations and you got a lot of people on the left that were like, well, not everybody's going to get it and they're going to walk around without masks. Like, well, if you're worried about it, you go get the vaccine. That's fine. You can go get it. And then you're going to have immunity. And by the way, just saw another uh, study today that was noting the lack of inclusion of um, natural immunity, people who had COVID and recovered. And that if you add in that you know the estimate of that population you add that into the population that has been vaccinated and we're probably at herd immunity now but you're not hearing that being reported nobody's even like i saw this this was some guy crunching numbers on twitter 
there isn't any kind of like a legitimate look at whether or not we are at this level or pretty darn close to it. And if there is, there needs that needs to be, you know, disseminated, spread out far and wide. We all need to hear that message. And by we all, I mean the left. <laughs> right. People need to hear this message. Why can't you just let this be over? Um, so the 12 to 15 year olds they can now get the vaccines. And so now the same logic applies that if you want to get it, go get the vaccine. Now you're protected. And so now 12 to 15 year olds, like you're going away to camp or whatever, you're all fine. Good to go because you know, you're going to have vaccinated kids in that population. Um, But a lot of camps have younger kids. And so the CDC says um, at camps where not everybody is vaccinated, the guidance says vaccinated people don't need to wear masks. But unvaccinated people are strongly encouraged, though not obligated, to wear masks inside. And they should wear masks outdoors in crowds or when close to others for prolonged periods. So if you're outside, you don't need a mask anymore. That's what they're saying for these camps. I'm wondering if North Carolina guidance is going to shift on that uh, as well. Speaking of shifting, another narrative shift occurs. Oh, Hey, look what's happening in Portland. Are you guys aware there's violence occurring in Portland? Yeah, it's been going on like every night. It's so weird. Oh, and also the anarchists that are leading all of these uh, violent uh, uh, insurrectionist activities um, and and undermining law enforcement, all this. It's having a really detrimental effect in black neighborhoods. I know who could have ever predicted such a thing. Apparently, the Washington Post has now been made aware of the events in Portland and the connection that it may have to the increased crime rate that is occurring, the 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 wave of homicides in Portland. I know they're they're letting us know now that all of a sudden we can talk about this. Like now we can cover this story, too. It's been a year. We folks on the right, like we're aware of these stories. We've been talking about what's been happening with Antifa and these LARPer uh, uh, temporary anarchists because they're not real anarchists. They're not. They're not actual anarchists. They're they're LARPing, which is live action role playing. Right. They get dressed up and they pretend to be anarchists, but they're not. They're temporary anarchists. They only want disruption and chaos for a brief period of time so then they can overthrow an institution and implement socialism communism that's what the i've never seen any of these anarchists that are anything other than leftists big government people they want government to do a bunch of stuff they're not anarchists it's the exact opposite of anarchy actually um This piece by Scott Wilson at uh, Washington Post. This was not how the year following George Floyd's murder was supposed to end. After months of social justice activism that made Portland a vivid, sometimes violent focal point for a nation debating the same issues around police accountability and reform, the movement here has splintered into bickering groups at odds over tactics, goals, and an overall direction for how to make the city safer with the police force still at the debate's bitter center. The nightly confrontations with police and federal agents, deployed here by Donald Trump, have been replaced now by a kind of generational hopelessness, a tenuous sense of security across an under-policed city, and a return to an old-school style of gun violence 
reminiscent of a tit-for-tat cycle of deadly reprisals almost always among young men of color. Through April, the police reported 348 shootings. That is more than double those recorded over the first four months of last year. Double. It's almost as if depolicing has some sort of an impact. A city of about 650,000 people, Portland has long experienced the push and pull of its stridently felt politics. I love how the Washington Post acts as the apologist, right? The, these media apologists, they're culpable in normalizing this kind of destruction and disruption and chaos by giving them this, uh, this veneer of legitimacy, Oh, it's just, you know, it's the push and pull of its stridently felt politics. No, they're they're attacking people. They're burning stuff. They're looting. They're smashing windows. They're engaged in vandalism, acts of aggression. They're, you know, they're firebomb, uh, firebombing federal court buildings. You know, this is insurrectionist activity. You know, welcome, Washington Post, which, by the way, they're now uh, they're now covering this story that these anarchists, they call them anarchists, right? Don't call them Antifa. I thought they were I thought they were anti-fascists, but now you're saying they're they're anarchists, and they note that it's a small group of privileged white people. These are the quote anarchists. I know all of this is not new <laughs> to people on the right. We're very aware of who these people are. We are very aware of what's been going on, and we've been sitting here saying, uh, "You guys going to cover this?" I saw last night, I was watching the news with Christy. We were eating dinner. We had the news and we never, it just, it happened to be on the TV was on because we've been packing and ABC nightly news is on, comes on and they talk about a guy that gets arrested for plotting to shoot up a Walmart. He's a white supremacist and they give that story coverage and they did not give any coverage to the black nationalist group that's saying murder all the white people at their armed rally where they all showed up. They did a big rally and they were all uh, gun toting and saying, let's kill all white people. No coverage of that. I wonder why. Maybe in a year we'll be allowed to talk about that and they can cover it then. That's a wrap for the episode. Thanks so much for listening. I do appreciate it. Remember, subscribe to the podcast. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. Think about becoming a patron as well. I'll talk with you later and don't break anything while I'm gone. 